You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. From entirely outside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I'm Dave Griffiths alongside, virtually, Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell, getting you ready for the next week in the NFL season, and a big one it is as the Colts will host their division rival Tennessee Titans. Both teams tied atop the AFC South right now. The Colts do have the tiebreaker after their win over Tennessee earlier this year. We will detail keys to the game, make some predictions. Of course, wish you a happy Thanksgiving, maybe a little Thanksgiving chat coming up later in the episode. We'll see what we have time for. But first, we start with the news around the NFL. And guys, it is quite the uh, eventful week in terms of the coronavirus. As Thursday night Steelers-Ravens game has been postponed to Sunday. I guess that's the one way to get out of your Thursday night game is to just everyone catch the coronavirus. I, I don't mean to, to to make fun of the virus, but at the same time, like that came to my mind. I was like, well, lucky them. They don't have to play a Thursday night game this year, both of those teams. Um, the Ravens played the Titans on Sunday. Uh, Tennessee has yet to report any positive tests, which is a good sign for, for the Colts game, I guess, for what's coming up. But uh, nevertheless, uh, the Jaguars will be without three defensive coaches, including their coordinator for Sunday's game against Cleveland. They placed former Colt kicker Chase McLaughlin on the reserve COVID-19 list. The Browns announced a player tested positive for the virus um, on Monday. The Vikings placed Adam Thielen. The Bears placed Eddie Jackson on the COVID-19 list. I mean, Mike, we, we've said it in the past that the NFL has kind of been flirting with uh, with danger as the season continues to go on. And uh, moving a Thursday night game to Sunday is certainly not canceling a game, but it's just one step closer to it. And we're knocking on wood that uh, as little uh, as little damage is done to the season. But nevertheless, there certainly seems like a week where uh, more has happened than we've seen in some previous weeks. Yeah, I mean, and what happens if, if there's another positive test or two with Baltimore today, tomorrow, whatever? Because the problem is, we talked about this a while ago, the problem you run into now is they moved it to Sunday, which they were allowed, you know, there, there was an opening to do. But what happens if that game can't be played Sunday? Where where do you take the game to the week after the season? This is where it's going to get dicey. And you just watch, look around the league, and it's more and more teams are having issues. Not to this extent, obviously. You know, the, Colt, the Colts had a week with Denny and Bubba Ventrone. So uh, it's gonna. What we're gonna find find out is what is the NFL's uh, stress level on on positive tests before they postpone a game. Uh, they sure, had sure. not. Was it not nine Ravens players and and staff members? So it's it's more than nine. Yeah. So we'll yeah. See, we'll see where we're at. Joe, when I when I look at the situation, I think a lot of fan bases across the AFC might, in fact, be rooting for a game or two to be postponed just because there are so many teams in contention for the playoffs. If games get postponed, the NFL has already said they're going to add a team to the playoffs. so It'll go from seven to eight. Hey, you know, you look on the bright side of things, a few games postponed might actually increase the Colts and others, of course, playoff chances. Yeah, the Colts, the Raiders, the uh, Browns. Dolphins even are all teams vying for that uh, that seventh spot, and if there's an eighth spot, that's going to make a lot of fan bases happy. Which hey, of course, right, go go ahead, right, Mike. Right now, right now, the Ravens are not in the playoffs. If you look at the seedings, they're like eight or nine. So, and again, whether in three years you're going to say, well, this coach kept his job because of a playoff spot or whatever, in in the end, it's not going to matter. If you're in the playoffs, you're in the playoffs. In non-COVID-19 news, one Colt for the second week in a row was named AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Of course, the week against the Titans two weeks ago was EJ Speed after his block punt, which was picked up by TJ Carey for the touchdown. But last week, Joe's boy, take a bow, hot rod, Rodrigo Blankenship received the honor after hitting four of his five field goal attempts. Of course, the one that he missed was a little odd since it was a 50 yarder and we all know that rod has that leg we've seen it in practice we've seen it in the preseason but he just went short on a 50 yard field goal which leads people to i'm, I'm sure it leads twitter to react as twitter does with uh, incredible uh, level-headedness and uh, very clear thoughts but uh joe uh take a bow for your boy he is uh, once don't, again don't, uh honored don't, don't encourage joe oh, i'm gonna have to <laughs> this time go ahead uh come on you gotta give me credit when i'm right uh, my- Blankenship's, I mean, you talk about Colts rookies making an impact. 
this year, and Blankenship might be at the top so far. He's been reliable. Um, he's hit kicks when the Colts have needed it, and it, it's helped out this this year. And if I'm not mistaken, well, well, he, go ahead, go ahead. Big game, and he, he, was, he was kicking 50-yarders with room to spare. I, I thought I noticed when he kicked a 50-yarder that it just didn't look right, and apparently he scuffed the ground a little bit. Uh, and darn, I made it. I mean, he misses by what a half a yard when he yeah. hits the crossbar. So, distance, I'm distance is not an issue with this guy. Yeah, and, and if I'm not mistaken, he is darn near the top of the NFL in points. Let's see, he has 94 points through 10 games, tied with uh, Daniel Carson of the Raiders. Uh, Ryan Suckup of the Buccaneers technically has 96. He has more, but he has played one more game. He's played 11 games. So uh, Hot Rod is right up there with the uh, with the top scores uh, in the league, and I'm sure he and other players on the Colts' offense would say, uh, "I would prefer to score touchdowns and kick extra points than a lot of the field goals he has had." Because that was certainly a topic that we brought up over and over and over at the beginning of the season when the Colts were really having red zone issues, getting the ball, punching it into the end zone. Uh, we haven't talked about that as much lately, so I'm, it has gotten a bit better. But nevertheless. Uh, Rodrigo has answered the bell more often than not uh, for the Colts this year. So they're certainly happy to have him uh, whenever someone has to go out there and, and hit a field goal. Also news around the NFL this week. A couple Colts are one step closer to receiving the gold jacket for enshrinement in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. For the first time, Peyton Manning is eligible for the Hall. I would imagine that that will be the shortest uh, award defense speech that Mike Chappell will ever have to give as a member of the Pro Football uh, Hall of Fame Selection Committee. Uh, Reggie Wayne also is one of 25 modern era nominees for the class of 2021. They will pair that down to finalists uh, later. I think it's 15 finalists, Mike, and then I think five players, uh, if I'm uh, not mistaken, uh, can be selected and then given a yes or no vote uh, at the end of the day. So, uh, uh, Mike, those are two Colts that, of course, were very key to the the team's success in the 2000s. Uh, but M Manning, a shoe in if there ever was one, for sure. Yeah, and I I hope people, and I think this year it will happen, where I, I think Reggie's going to have to wait another year because I just don't think we get a maximum of five modern-day guys in. Peyton's one, Charles Woodson's first ballot guy. I think that's all the first, first ballot guys. People are going to push for, for Calvin Johnson and I just I just can't do it. I mean, he was a great player when he played. He chose to walk away as soon as he did. I, I hope they uh, the selection committee doesn't make Reggie wait as long. Not, not as long because Marvin waited three years but Reggie deserves to be in and, and you're right. I, I saw it's, it's crazy when you talk about Twitter and social media. Somebody when the when the when the names came out, he, he was dissing Peyton, like he was a stat guy and all this. I'm thinking, are you at? It? And it reminds me that all you need to for a tweet is is a laptop, Wi-Fi. You know, brain cells aren't required. So sometimes when people respond to people like that, all you're doing is giving the guy some some life. And Pey Peyton, by all, is a five top six quarterback of all time and. It'll be fun to see he and he he and Edron are going the same weekend. Remember, Edron Edron of of the class last year was pushed back, so it's going to be a great August in Canton if the uh, virus allows. Yeah, I, I would imagine Joe that the Colts will probably play in the um, in the Hall of Fame game if there is one in the preseason next year. I'm assuming that the NFL kind of reverts to normal after. Uh, knock on wood, everything in this in this country reverts to normal. But um, no, we, we kind of talked about it last year, and we talked about it with Mike, that um, there's kind of a log jam at receiver. And maybe a lot of people will point to Calvin Johnson saying he was he was unstoppable. And, and I won't argue with you, but at the same time, you got guys like uh, a Reggie Wayne in there. I think, um, what's his name, is Torrey Holt still there uh, uh, yeah. among the uh, finalists or the, the semifinalists that are here. Um, like you, you kind of have to wait your turn in this, but I'm sure, Joe, that Colts fans are hoping that uh, if Reggie Wayne goes in, that would be a trio of Colts, and boy, that would be fun. Oh, oh, that'd be a great time if all three got in the same year. I find it highly unlikely. Um, you know, like you said, Marvin had to wait three years. I think Reggie will have to wait at least three as well, but he certainly deserves it. Um, I'm kind of one of those guys, maybe it's just biased because I watched him as a kid, but I think Calvin Johnson deserves it just because – all time, you're picking a receiver to go up and play 
for any game. Calvin Johnson's among the top of the names of that list. And the, only, yeah. the only issue is longevity has to matter. Unless you're Terrell Davis, where your logo was so hot and, and it, it delivered two Super Bowls to, to Denver. Longe- I'm not saying Calvin Johnson isn't a Hall of Famer. I'm not. He is. But as far as the first guy, that's a, when you can't check when you don't check the longevity box, I think that hurts you. So put him put him in line, but put him behind Mar or put him behind Reggie. You know, before long we're gonna have Larry Fitzgerald. Uh there's gonna be a lot of receivers. So, you know, we've gotten into the one where it's kind of wait your turn, so let's make Calvin Johnson wait his turn. Uh you, you look at that same just that same um, criteria for other players as well. I mean, there's a guy on this list like Tony Baselli, who was perhaps the NFL's best left tackle for five years in a row or right around that range. And uh, then all of a sudden he's injured and he's out of the game. So that's that, that's something that's very common with, with the NFL. Yes, there are more players that deserve Hall of Fame recognition than just the five that are going to get voted on at the end of the day, who all with in, in all likelihood, and I say like that 100% will be voted yes by the committee if you when they whittle it down to five, like more than five players on this list will be Hall of Famers. And like Mike said, Calvin Johnson deserves to be a Hall of Famer, but it doesn't mean that he's going to be enshrined this year. So that's something that a lot of like you just got to wait. You, you got to be patient. And that was something that Mike, as you know, Edge was just kind of on edge, if you pardon the pun, for uh, for several years about that. Just uh, having to wait your turn. And that, that's tough for some of these guys who, who know that they deserve that spot. Um, but uh, fortunately, Peyton Mang not going to be one of those guys. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to go in with uh, with Edger and James next year. And uh, Colts fans certainly hope that Reggie Wayne will be uh, among that as well. But but seriously, Mike, what, what do you do with uh, with Peyton Manning when when it comes around to you and they say, OK, give give Peyton Manning's name, give him the uh, his defense for making the Hall of Fame. Do you do you have your plan yet? Oh, you, he, he's one of the very few players you just simply stand up and say Peyton Manning. And you sit down. It's already, I mean, it's already an eight-hour day. It really is. It's a long, long day, and a lot of the a lot of the discussions are long, intense. Terrell Owens, a couple of years ago, got it, it. It was very, very intense. So, so let's not, you know, draw it out any longer. I'm trying to think of the ones that have been stand up and sit Jerry Rice back in the day. Recently, Brett Favre. And I'm trying to think of if there's any other one that just jumps out. Uh, one of those that if you have to stand up and argue for Peyton Manning, I mean, have, have you not been, you know, where have you been, Mars? <laughs> so, uh, I, again, I just think that uh, you, you don't prolong the process. And know, in, in my in my instance, knowing that Reggie is a tougher sell only because he's going against, you know, like last year, Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. Uh, so, uh, but it, it'll be interesting. And, I've always said I always wanted to stick around long enough. I've been doing it for about 20 years. I want to stick around long enough to where you can just stand up and say and sit down. And now I want to stay around long to argue for Adam Vinatieri because I think he's a really, really interesting guy in my mind, should be first ballot. But uh, it, it's really an interesting situation and uh, discussion in the room but Peyton's one that there's there will be no discussion on at all there there will be uh there there is a link that I tweeted out uh earlier this week when the list came out it's a pro football reference has a um has a metric they like try to put things into numbers which uh which I know for it, it can be maddening for some people because there, there's a lot of there's a lot of wiggle room in what exactly makes a hall of famer um but uh in in the statistical era we live in, everybody wants stats. Everybody wants numbers to look at. Say, hey, is this person there? Is this person at this level or that level? And out of every single uh, player, Peyton Manning of this metric has the second highest score out of anybody to ever play football. Um, to in in uh, in terms of their Hall of Fame worthiness, or I think Pro Football Focus puts it in basically their chances to be in the Hall of Fame, which is I think it's it, it's a I don't think there's a top score that you can get. Peyton Manning has like a 258. And for reference, usually Hall of Famers are around a 100 or a 110. So he's he's more than double like the average score for Hall of Famers. The, the only person that uh, Peyton Manning, by the way, Joe, uh, trails in this is Jerry Rice, who's a 311, who, as Mike, Mike referenced, oh. 
you just have to say his name and like, and he's in Jerry Rice, a three eleven, Peyton, like a two fifty eight. even Tom Brady is something like a two twenty five or a two thirty, something like that. He's actually, his number is below Peyton Manning. So Joe, I'm sure Colts fans at least uh, right now can, uh, can chuckle a little and say Peyton's better than Tom in, in this instance right now. Yeah. Yeah. Forget the rings. We got yeah. these, these numbers here. Yeah that's, yeah. that's all we need. Hall of Fame. What is this? Some kind of formula they came up with? Yeah, hey, I don't know exactly what it is. I mean, they're, they're like, you can go to pro football reference and it's there. You can just search pro football reference, uh, like hall of fame score or something in Google. And I'm sure it'll pop right up. Or you can go to my Twitter at Dave G underscore sports and, uh, find the link there. But uh, I was actually surprised uh, what one quick rabbit trail before we uh, continue back on to uh, the Colts, the, uh, the defensive back who has the highest score, uh, I was wondering if either of you guys could guess who it might be. Who do you think? Who would your first guess be for the defensive back in NFL history who had the highest score on this list? I'd guess Rod Woodson. I, I don't know why, but Rod Woodson. Um, Ed Reed is the first name that comes to mind. Mike, why do you have to ruin my awesome questions by getting them right so I can stump oh. people? Good job. Yes, I was. I was. Gonna, I was hoping for people guessing Ed Reed or Deion Sanders or something like that or what. But yeah, you you pulled it out there. It's Rod Woodson, Purdue's finest. Rod Woodson, the number one uh, defensive back on this metric, and that just it goes to show you a lot of people overlook Rod Woodson for guys like a Deion Sanders, who's a more flashy guy. But boy, in his heyday, he he was one of the best, and he could return kicks and punts too. Boy, Mike, he he was he was a spectacular player. One of the things you mentioned, the pro football reference, didn't they put out a uh, rated the 25 semifinalists and Reggie was like fourth? Yeah, surprise. I think Calvin Johnson was eight or nine, but that, that see, that takes in post people forget Reggie Wayne postseason. The only receiver that was more productive was Jerry Rice. And, and one of my big selling points, and we're we're wasting too much time. This they, they do play the tight. They do play the Titans on Sunday, but the the, the, the one over factor on on Reggie Wayne is there are only two receivers in NFL history that ranked top ten in yards regular season and postseason. Jerry Rice and Reggie Wayne. When you're in uh, you know the front the front seat of a car with jerry rice it says something about your career so now we will pivot back to the colts this weekend taking on the tennessee titans inside lucas oil stadium second time go ahead go ahead i gotta catch off here because i just had some news come across colts tweeted that they have placed deforce buckner on the reserve covid list well then that is interesting to say the least um buckner was going to be one of the first things i talked about just who was missing practice today um, and Frank Reich had said earlier today on this Wednesday, as we taped the podcast, that it was going to be a pretty long injury report. Um, but Justin Houston, DeForest Buckner, uh, this is according to Jim Aiello of the Indy Star. Uh, no Houston, no Buckner, no Julian Blackman, no Kari Willis, no Bobby Okariki, no Quentin Nelson, no Ryan Kelly. Those were the guys that he noticed that weren't at practice today. So, um, so to see uh, DeForest Buckner land on this list, Mike, um, you, you see Buckner there, and that's obviously not great. But also at the same time, you look at some of those other players who missed, guys who would he would be in close contact with. I don't want to fill in the gaps for the Colts, but Quentin Nelson, Brian Kelly, those are guys that he would go up against in practice right there in the middle. Justin Houston, a guy who's standing right next to him. Uh, Okariki, a guy who's standing right behind him. So I don't know exactly how many of those guys are injured right now. Those That's just me pointing out what will, will be obvious to any fan who looks at the practice participation report and knows that DeForest Buckner is going on this list. But uh, if DeForest can't play, obviously that would be a huge blow, Mike, to the Colts' defensive front. Yeah, and this was something we'll, – maybe the injury report will tell us more. But we talked about this in the offseason, about how this could impact an area – Again, if a defensive lineman like Buckner, like you said, he's in close contact for two hours in practice with the defensive line, offensive line. So is that is that the, the, the reason that Kelly and, and Nelson and these guys are not in? I don't know. So, uh, we'll, but yeah, but, but as far as Buckner, he, he, he's the overriding reason this defense has been what it's been this year. And the fact he's on the list now, it's, if I'm not mistaken, that – he won't play. I mean, that's you got to be out at least ten days, depending on 
asymptomatic or symptomatics, this will be a major loss for the uh, for the defense. And Joe, well, if, if there's one team that you probably don't want to see him gone for, it might be this one with the Tennessee Titans power run game. Exactly. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they didn't exactly say that he tested positive. So could it be that he came in close contact with someone who has? Yeah. Yes, that was Matthew Adams a couple of weeks ago. He was a he was on the COVID list. Wasn't positive, to my understanding, but he was a high risk high risk person. But he's okay. still. But I think you're still. Yeah, you're you're right. But I saw. But and Adams again. He he went on the COVID list on a Friday and missed the Tennessee game. If I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. So uh, yeah, in in when you're on that list, the the, the league and the team doesn't. It might be. Uh, but 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 the league doesn't specify whether it's a positive test or a contact. Yeah, well, that'll so, be interesting yeah. to see. I think it's five days straight of negative tests after close contact, which would put us five days from Wednesday is exactly on Sunday. So right. it it'll be tough to see how that one shakes out. I don't want to speculate any further on that one. So we'll just we'll leave the discussion at boy the Colts sure hope that they could have Buckner, but we'll see. That's uh, certainly something that Frank would get into more on Friday, and we can know more when the um, when the official practice report comes out later uh, today, Wednesday, which will probably be out by the time we get this podcast dropped. Uh, you can follow us at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter to get the latest updates about the Colts throughout the week. I am at Dave G underscore sports. Mike is at M Chapel 51 and Joe is at Roto Street Joe. Um, DeForest Buckner is certainly not the only Colts player who has some injury concerns this week. Uh, Philip Rivers hurt his big toe against Green Bay trying to block Zadarius Smith, which he admits was probably not the best idea, and I would certainly agree with him. Uh, Rivers acknowledged after the game that he was probably going to be sore for about a week. Frank Reich said on Monday it was pretty sore. We'll have to see as the week goes on. Uh, Rivers did not practice. Um, it was precautionary reasons uh, on Wednesday. Um, he started 234 straight games, though, Mike. It, it, I, I find it hard to believe that this will keep him out because he's not T.Y. Hilton, who needs his big toe to run and to cut. He is, uh, as we have uh, made very clear in the past, not the most mobile of quarterbacks. It might hurt back there, but just knowing what I know about Phillip Rivers and knowing the stat that is his consecutive start streak, I find it hard to believe this would keep him out unless it is absolutely debilitating. Yeah, the only thing that would impact it is his throwing mechanics, and it's his, it's his left big toes so it's what you land on you're throwing it if you go back and watch i watched the it's funny he got hurt on that block which is strange because it's hard to see how he hurt his toe on the block but the next few throws there wasn't a lot of follow-through it, he, he, it hurt to put weight on the on the toe so we'll see but yeah I, i'm kind of like with you he, he's played played through a lot of things i have a hard time believing that unless the unless the bone of the big toe is sticking through his shoe I, th- I think he plays, and I, I just—he's—he's he's not going to play to hurt the team, but he'll play because he's—he's he's able to play. And Joe, I think longtime uh, NFL fans who know their history, and not even that f- far history, is that they'll—they'll they'll think of Philip Rivers playing through injury. They'll think of him playing through the torn ACL uh, several years back. So uh, he, this is this is a tough guy. It's going to take, hopefully, Colt for Colts fans, it'll take more than a toe to keep him out. Yeah, you know, I—I. I bet a lot of money that he ends up playing on Sunday. I don't think a toe is going to keep him out of this game. And I mean, if he does get in and aggravated or something like that, the good news for Colts fans is they have, you know, by all means, one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. We've seen playing time now for the past couple, uh, couple games and really saw quite a few uh, plays uh, in the Colts win over the Packers. So we can get to that a little bit later uh, if we so choose, but uh, we'll continue on the injury updates and uh, the Colts have to be, uh, well, we are uncertain if Danico Autry will be available for Sunday. He was placed on the reserve COVID-19 list last Friday after testing positive. So um, as we, uh, as we've already mentioned just a, just a minute or two ago, um, a player who tests positive can return uh, 10 days uh, if that player is asymptomatic or a player can return after 14 days if that player has displayed symptoms. But of course, that includes uh, ne- a certain number of negative tests for each of them uh, in order to, to return to the roster. So 
If indeed Autry was asymptomatic, he could be back for this weekend. If he was not, then he would not be able to be back for this weekend. Frank Reich was a little coy uh, when talking about that specific uh, distinction in his press conference on Wednesday, or it was Monday. I think it was Wednesday. I think it was today um, that I read it. But nevertheless, uh, Mike, uh, this is just, again, me speculating. Autry missed last Wednesday's practice with a quote-unquote illness or last Thursday's practice with a quote-unquote illness before he got put on the COVID-19 list. So it sounds like just looking at practice reports that he probably had symptoms. If I had to bet, like Joe bets on Philip Rivers to play, if I, gun to my head, had to bet, I would say the Colts might not have Autry. I, I would say they wouldn't have Autry, but um, nevertheless, that's that's something to keep our eye on for the rest of this week as well. Yeah, and also... Uh, it- Sort of under the radar, but shouldn't be Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coach. Uh, Frank said he's not yet, but they come on the sideline Sunday. We were supposed to have him on our conference call last Tuesday and did not. So I'm, I'm just wondering if, if both he and Autry got their results back like on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to know how, how it goes. But uh, Frank did mention, like, like you spelled out, that if it's a, if it's a 10-day window, for Danico, he, he he's 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 eligible to play on Sunday. It's a 14-day window. He's not because he didn't like you say. He was pretty coy on when did he test positive and all that. So it's this is the the, the you know the minefield that the, the team and the league is in right now. We you know we already talked about the Baltimore situation and and barring it being some kind of an outbreak, you just have to deal with it. But but if 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 it's no Danico Autry, when no DeForester. Those are two major components. I realize it's a very deep defensive line, but all of a sudden you've taken you've taken two major players out of it. So and, uh, it's it's you, you've got to keep your fingers crossed if you're a Colt fan. And depth depth is a weapon. It's not just like to have depth in order to fill in if somebody gets hurt. When you have depth, you have strength because you can rotate guys and you can have guys that are fresher on that defensive line. Now, all of a sudden, if you don't have depth, even if you have skill, as the game goes on, everything kind of levels out because everybody's getting a little bit more tired. And then things kind of get to, uh, in my opinion, things kind of get to a similar level. So if you have if you have a defensive line that can rotate, that's that's a huge, huge benefit. And the Colts have had that as long as the guys up there have been healthy. But if you don't have Autry, who's your sack leader on the season, uh, you don't have Buckner, who I believe is the um, their leader, at least on the defensive side of the ball in terms of their uh, pro football focus score on the air. He's having a great year. Uh, he doesn't always show up on the stat sheet, but uh, he does sometimes, and all the time he makes an impact. So uh, that, missing those two guys would, would certainly be uh, be rough on the defensive line. And also the offensive line for the Colts, not immune from injury uh, this week either. In fact, last week, right tackle Braden Smith, uh, saw his streak of 39 consecutive starts come to an end after he hurt his right thumb in practice. And uh, I, I remember last week on Friday hearing Frank Reich said, oh, he's going to play. Well, that didn't happen. He did not play. And how Frank described it this week was that he couldn't get comfortable in anything, um, in any type of wrap or whatever they had on his thumb, so he didn't play. So hopefully, what for the Colts' sake, you would hope that he either A, gets comfortable in something or B this thumb injury heals up and, uh, and he's able to get out there a little bit uh, and, and play better. I'll, I think uh, Joe, I, I agree. All Colts fans will agree that however he gets fixed, holding penalties would very much be a, uh, be a faux pas as uh, we saw from, from last week's game that almost uh, was the Colts undoing near the end of that one. Yeah. I was joking around with Mike on Monday, like, man, I didn't know how crucial uh, Braden Smith was to the Colts offensive line execution until Sunday <laughs> came around. But uh, yeah, I mean, Braden Smith is kind of sometimes the forgotten piece on that offensive line with uh, Costanzo and Kelly and uh, Quentin Nelson, the all pro over on the left side. But since coming into the league, he's been one of the best right tackles in the NFL. And he's not someone uh, that the Colts can just replace that easily. Yeah, and Mike, the very first the very first Colts offensive play what last week was a Philip Rivers pass, and uh, and I just remember seeing uh, LaRaven Clark Clark get blown up, and Rivers almost got got taken down. I was like, oh shoot, this could be a long day. Fortunately, there was a bit of a rotation there at right tackle, but the Colts certainly want Braden Smith back as soon as possible. 
Well, they rotated it because, you know, first you had to, well, you had to because the first play was, was a holding penalty on Old Raven Clark, if I'm yep. not mistaken. Yes, he got and, blown up and, and he held, yeah. Right, and then they, they, they go to Chaz Green, and you, you can sort of read between the lines when Frank gives praise, and he said they was, they were more than that. Is that Was that his description of them? That's sort of like, you know, yeah, she had a nice personality. So, I, it, it's again, Joe and I talked. Braden Smith is, is is so easy to overlook until he's not there. Yes, they've got depth on the offensive line, but there's depth. Depth doesn't mean it's quality depth. And it, it, sometimes you, you need for a guy to be gone to really appreciate what he brings. I expect Braden Smith to be out there, whether he's got a club on his hand or whatever, on Sunday. And Frank Reich also said he believed linebacker Anthony Walker is fine after Walker apparently was shaken up a bit late uh, against Green Bay in, in one of those late plays. I remember seeing him go off the field. So um, that's what we know now. We will, of course, know more later in the week and, heck, even later tonight. So go ahead, log on to Twitter, follow at Colts Blue Zone to, to see the Colts um, injury report come out for today and for the rest of the week and uh, just stay up to date. Uh, throughout the week leading into the weekend when the Colts will face the Titans. And the Titans injury report, well, that's not so clean either. Uh, their inside linebacker, Jayon Brown, is out for the season after he suffered an elbow injury against the Ravens. And uh, perhaps most notably, guys, uh, left tackle Ty Sambralio, uh, Sambrello was placed on injured reserve Tuesday, and uh, he could be out for the season as well. He started the last five games at left tackle after their pro bowler, Taylor Lewan, sustained a season-ending injury. So now, Joe, there are only two tackles. There are only two healthy tackles are Dennis Kelly and a rookie first-round pick and Isaiah Wilson, who hasn't seen a ton of action this year. Hey, he's a first-round pick. You know he has talent. But at the same time, he's not playing for a reason as well. And now the Titans will be on their third left tackle. I, I don't think any team wants that, no matter how much depth you think you have at the start of the season. No, and, you know, before today, it was looking like the Colts were going to be in a great position to take advantage of the injuries along the offensive line of the Titans. Now the Colts themselves might be without several defensive linemen. Um, so it, you know, I don't want to call it a wash in that aspect, but it looks like two former strengths of both of these teams might not quite be up to their uh, previous standards. Yeah. Their center, Ben Jones has been dealing with a knee injury. He played in a brace on Sunday after missing practice all of last week. Also their left guard, former who, who, Hoosier, Roger Saffold, uh, missed last week's game against Baltimore as well. So, uh, Mike, I mean, even with that, even with Saffold out, even with uh, uh, their left tackle getting hurt, even with their center with a, a knee brace, uh, Derrick Henry still run, ran for 100 plus yards against the uh, against the Ravens defense last week. So at the same time, you're like, oh, maybe they'll be down a little bit in the run game. It's, uh, but I'm like, eh, maybe not. That That's a that's a heck of a offensive slash defensive lineman or linebacker, whoever it might be running the ball, it seems like for them as well. Yeah, I mean, we the, the, all people need to know is that since Matt Eberflus has been here since 2018, this run defense has been one of the best in the league. Only one player has gotten 100 yards on him since 18, and that's Derrick Henry twice. So it's you know in the regular season. So he 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 might be that running back. No, not might be. He's that running back that. Hey, yes, it's great to have an offensive line, a, a solid offensive line, but sometimes the running back gets things on his own. That touchdown was at a 20-some yard touchdown, and uh, was in overtime against uh, uh, against Baltimore. That was sort of him. Yep. Sort of him. And great running backs uh, can do a lot of things on their own. And he's just going to be such a force. And to not have, here we are harping on it, to not have Henry or to not have uh, Buckner and, and maybe Autry, it's a major blow for this run defense. For the Titans, also safety Kenny Vaccaro, uh, outside linebacker Jadavion Clowney, wide receiver Adam Humphreys, and tight end Michael Pruitt all missed the Sunday game against Baltimore, which. The Titans won last time out, so they were able to do something the Colts couldn't do, and that's beat the Ravens. Really, that score on the Ravens, something the Colts really struggled to do uh, in that game a couple weeks ago at Lucas Oil Stadium. But Colts-Titans round two will be this time in Indianapolis. Well, first one in Tennessee went really well, a 34-17 victory. Uh, the Colts and Titans are both 7-3 and three entering this game, though the Colts have the tiebreaker since they did get that win a couple weeks ago. Both teams would be wildcard teams if the season were to end this week. 
But boy, as we've mentioned earlier, it is nail biting thin. Seven and three Browns, six and four Raiders, six and four Ravens. And for the Colts, Mike, you see teams there like the Browns and the Ravens. And heck, you play the Raiders later this year, who already, uh, the Browns and Ravens already have the tiebreaker over you. You really winning the division is obviously the easiest way into the playoffs for, for the Colts, just by virtue of what they've done against some of these other teams in the race it might be their only way into the playoffs. So be, being the AFC South champions, uh, th- this game is, is as crucial as it gets for uh, for this point in the season. It, it, this time of the season, it's all about getting yourself in position to do something. And Joe and I probably talked about it on Monday. Is you, if, if you find a way to win this game, I don't care if it's 9-6. You, you're, you're, you're a game up in the division, but really two games up in the division with the, with the uh, tiebreak over them. And like we've talked about for the last month, it's going to be such a deep, deep wild card chase. And if you lose this one, then you then you may lose the wild the the, the tie break with Tennessee as well and with conference. You just don't know. But you've already lost tie break with Cleveland and Baltimore, and and then the Vegas game becomes a lot a lot more important. But if you win, it, it then it's your, then you really have to do some strange things. To not win the division because you've still got two games with what Houston. Let's say you split those, you finish the, the season with uh, Jacksonville, and you've got Baltimore and Vegas in there. So this game it just gives you the chance to really do something, and it's at home. And it, it's funny, it, it's one of those strange things where you're playing a team two times in three games, which is you think's rare. Well, in a few weeks, you're going to play Houston two times in three weeks. So, uh, but it, it, it's, and, and the Colts have swept the Titans like 11 times in their series, the last time in 18. And they could they could have and should have done it last. Remember the game here when it was uh, the, the, the kick six? They were kicking a field goal to take the lead. The Colts were, you know, everything went to hell. So uh, th- th- this is one where it's, it's in your control to do things. So go out and do it. Yeah, there are, and you didn't even mention that Steelers game that's on the the rest of their schedule too. Yeah. Obviously, like the ten and O Steelers, the only perfect team left in the NFL Steelers. So um, it's it's not going to be easy down the stretch. So uh, certainly won this you, week. You yeah, you don't want you don't want that trip to Pittsburgh to to, to sort of mean something. Right, you know what I mean. It's it's one that hey, if you win it, boy, we, we must have really played well. But you don't want to go to Pittsburgh and say, well, if we win here and then close out against Jacksonville, we're fine. Can't do that. Excuse my dogs. Those are my dogs barking in the background. If you hear them, there they are. They needed to get in on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. So uh, they saw somebody walking outside or somebody coming to the door outside or who knows what. But nevertheless, uh, they're very uh, eager for the Colts to face the Tennessee Titans once again. We've talked about the Titans just two weeks ago, but we'll break them all down again. That's a pretty dangerous scoring offense. Averaging 27.9 points per game. Of course, the Colts were able to hold them to 17. Uh, the Colts are right behind them in scoring offense, 27.6, ninth and 10th in the NFL. But uh, the, the strength of the Tennessee offense is Derrick Henry. Uh, leading the NFL in rushing, he has more than 1,000 yards already on the season. And Mike has said this stat, which we'll bring up every time the, the Titans face the Colts until it's no longer a relevant stat. And heck, it could be a while that Derrick Henry is the only player to have rushed for 100 yards on Matt Eberflus's Colts defense, and heck, he's done it twice. Um, Ryan Tannehill is a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. He's completing more than 65% of his passes. He has 22 touchdowns, only four interceptions. He can rush uh, for the a little bit, too. has a rushing touchdown on the year. Not afraid to scramble and get out of the pocket and gain some yards. He was a wide receiver playing at Texas A&M, of course. Uh, he's been sacked only 14 times this year because he can either evade pressure, he can shake off pressure, whatever it have be. But uh, the Colts held him to just 147 yards and one touchdown uh, earlier this season. And Joe, even if you let Derrick Henry get his, heck, even if he has a great day, 150 yards rushing, if you can limit Tannehill to 150 yards passing, that might be a trade-off that a Colts fan would take just because Henry can gain his yards as long as Tannehill doesn't kill you with the deep stuff, which they do really well in suckering guys in close to the line of scrimmage and then beating you along with A.J. Brown, that, like I said, that might be a trade-off Colts fans take. Yeah, you know, we talk about all the time you got to make the other offense one-dimensional. 
Um, and usually it's take away the run so that, you know, you can tee off on their passer. But against the Titans, you know, taking away the run may mean just don't let Henry get to 200 yards and three touchdowns on you. Um, so if, if they can contain Henry and then do what they did la- uh, last time against Tannehill, I think that's a recipe for success again in week 12. And Mike, it was really the special teams that was that standout uh, a couple weeks ago. It was obviously the block punt by EJ Speed. But even before that, Speed had the near block. That was only a 17-yard punt. And uh, like that, uh, boom, the, the game flipped. And uh, Naheem Hines was, of course, the standout on offense. He had a couple of incredible plays that were really, really stood out. Uh, but uh, it, it was it was a... Uh, an example that special teams as well came, came up really important and field position was really important against the Titans, a field position like team that can grind you down. And even they seem to gain first downs, a couple of them on most drives because Henry's able to do that. Special teams could be important in this one too. And Hey, the cold special teams is playing really well the past couple of weeks. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, they, the Titans cut their punter. Is it Trevor Daniel? Is that his name? Something like that. I don't know. Got rid of him. And let's not, you know, we talk about special teams. Uh, Goskowski missed, I believe it was a 44-yard field goal, whatever it was, in, in the game. He's got that crazy, crazy stat line where outside of 50, he's pretty darn good. He's like, he's like six out of seven or whatever it is. And inside of 50, he's barely 50%. So special teams. And, and we talk about how, how the Colts kind of dominated that game going away. Remember early on, A.J. Brown dropped a, what would it have been? 50, 60 yarder uh, down the sidelines? Uh, yep. So you can't, yes, the Colts played well and, and one going away, but you can't anticipate A.J. Brown dropping another one, the punter shanking one and getting one blocked and Goskowski missing. So the Colts have to, it, it, they, there were enough things that went wrong for Tennessee in that game that may not go wrong this week that should have your attention. Yeah, there, there were a couple of plays that the game really turned on, for sure. It wasn't a dominating, quote-unquote, performance. So whenever you're talking about it or writing about it for in um, when I'm on TV saying, hey, this is what happened last time, the word dominant really, I don't think, Mike, it's a word that can come out of my mouth when I'm describing that game. Even though it's a 17-point win, you look at right. that and you're like, oh, the Colts dominant. No, no, they really didn't. That start to finish, that game was a lot closer than 17 points would say. I would imagine it's probably going to be closer this time around. The Titans play a lot of close games. Uh, overall, uh, they have seven of their 10 games have been decided by seven points or less. They were just in overtime last week against Baltimore. Um, you mentioned AJ Brown and, uh, he's had a couple of drops over the past couple of weeks, but he did score this incredible touchdown against the Ravens where he just bullied through their entire secondary and into the end zone. They have playmakers on the outside, like a Corey Davis, who leads the team with 39 catches tight end. John who Smith has scored a touchdown in three straight games. So, uh, Mike, there are certainly a lot of weapons besides Derrick Henry out there, and the Colts will have to try to slow down as many as they can if they want their best chance to repeat and gain full control here of the AFC South. And that's why we're, we're going to see how how deep this roster is, defensive roster is, because, you, again, again, guys who – we always say guys are backups for a reason, and, and the defensive line depth is really, really good. But the secondary is going to be, be asked to play well. And the linebackers, again, Anthony Walker, we'll see. He, I mean, he looked like he was more than not okay at the end of the game. But uh, they find a way to win this one, and then you just tip your hat to the roster they put together because, again, Rivers isn't going to be 100%. He just won't be. Uh, but, but, again, this will be a great test. And this is why you build the roster the way you build it for games like this, for situations like this, although you don't build it in the offseason thinking – COVID's going to rip into you, but uh, I'm looking forward to Sunday. Yeah, Joe, Joe another stat that you uh, wrote down here in preparation for the game, uh, pointing out that the Titans have the fewest turnovers in the NFL. They only have five on this entire season. And like we mentioned that it was really special teams that got those turnovers, whether it was the block punt or the really short punt. Those are kind of sudden change opportunities for the offense, really. Like the, the offense of the Titans has not given the way given the ball away too much at all this year. So they're in order to get those uh, big plays that led to the wide margin in the score. It was not the Titans' offense that they, they they really hang on to the ball very well. Exactly. Yeah, they they don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. They're a well coached team. 
Um, and so the Colts, like you guys said earlier, they can't really count on those. I don't want to call them fluky special teams plays because especially the block. You know, Bubba Ventrone would not appreciate you saying that. No, no, they, they, <laughs> they forced that to happen. But those are not things you can necessarily rely on week to week. So uh, I agree with you guys. This is going to be a much closer game. Uh, it's going to be a game where the Colts, you know, have to convert a little more on offense than they did last time out. Um, and as we're talking here, we have a little bit more clarity. The Colts have released their injury report. report. Uh, some go. good news, some bad news. But uh, Justin Houston, who did not practice, they say it was non-injury related. So uh, they did not list it as an illness. So that may be encouraging, but maybe I'm just reading too far between the lines there. Uh, Julian Blackman out with an illness. Uh, Rocky Seen out with an illness. That's not good. Um, let's see. Kari Willis didn't practice, but his ribs and shoulder. He's kind of been dealing with that rib injury over a couple weeks. He played last week. Um, Bobby Okuriki, they listed an ankle. So hopefully he was not exposed to the virus. Um, Pascal did not practice with the knee and foot. Let's see. Uh, Quentin Nelson, back and ankle, not illness. So uh, Ryan Kelly with the neck injury. Hopefully these are just guys getting banged up and sore, and they'll be able to fight through it and play. Um, you know, with the COVID on the brain here after Buckner, at least that all these guys weren't listed out with the illness. Right. There's uh, a couple in there, though. couple in it, there. It tells you the, the world we live in now when, when a knee and a back is preferable over illness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. The opposite of this time a year ago. Um, but then Braden Smith practiced in full with the thumb. That's good to see. Uh, Anthony Walker practice in full. They have him listed as ribs, so that must have been the issue at the end of the game. Um, so a, a, a mixed bag of news on the Colts injury report for Wednesday. And, and again, those are things that, uh, Mike, we get a little bit more clarity as the week goes on. But thank you, Joe, for for pointing those out. Uh, that kind of gives a, a little bit more uh, definitive answers to uh, slightly more definitive uh, answers, or at least shows us the path where the Colts are going to have to go down for the rest of the week. Um, as we uh, get closer to that Titans game. Um, yeah, so I, we won't go too much into injuries. We've talked about that a good deal, but we'll uh, we'll wrap up this uh, this Colts and Titans matchup with a little bit of discussion on the defenses. The Colts have a really good one, obviously. Second in yards allowed, fifth in points allowed, third in takeaways. They have 17 after a stellar week last week against the Packers. I think they had four last week, if my memory serves me correct, um, which, heck, I mean, if the Titans only had five turnovers all year and the Colts had four last week and that that's a stat to me that just just pops off the screen that this Colts defense has been incredibly opportunistic at, at, at times this year and certainly as of late as well um Titans defense on the other side of the coin has been a little bit exploitable uh 25th in yards allowed 18th in points allowed 30th in sacks they only have 12 sacks on the year through 10 games so they're really not getting to the quarterback that often which you signed Jadavion Clowney you you hope for a little bit more production from that defensive line. But as we talked about last week or the last time the Colts played the Titans, Mike uh, losing a guy like a Jarrell Casey in the off season was probably a big blow to that pass rush. Um, th this, this defense that is coached by Mike Vrabel, you probably expect at the beginning of the season to see some slightly better stats, but uh, nevertheless, they've kind of been, been chasing form rather than uh, reveling in form so far this year. Yeah. I think we've seen all year that if you give Phillip Rivers protection, He's pretty doggone good. Now, there have been a couple games. Cleveland was one where they got around him and, and jostled him a lot. Not necessarily the sacks. What's he been sacked? Eight times, nine times, whatever it is. So, But, but if he has time to operate, he's, he's, he's going to complete 70%. He's been avoiding the, the bad throw. He had the tip interception last week. He's playing very well. When I talked, I think he's playing at a level. If he, if he plays like this, this is a playoff team that can do something in the playoffs. So uh, whatever issues I've got with the offensive line and it's run blocking, and it's getting better, it's getting a little better as, as the season goes along, I have very few issues with the offensive line and its pass protection. Yeah, that, I think if you um, if you look at keys to the game as we turn our attention there, that's probably going to be one, one of them, just have the offense keep things rolling. You mentioned Phillip Rivers being the hot hand lately. He has 10 touchdowns, only three interceptions over the Colts' last five games. Obviously, in the losses, his stats are far different. He only has one touchdown and five interceptions in the Colts' three losses. So stay clean, uh, keep the pocket clean, 
And, uh, of course, you mentioned that Browns game, which was the one game that Anthony Costanzo missed this year. And that's one of the main reasons why Rivers was uh, rushed so much and so frequently in, in a very quickly condensed pocket, even though the Browns didn't always get to him uh, in that game. So offense got to keep it rolling. Last time, Joe, they found the hot hand in uh, Naheem Hines. Um, last week, it was Jonathan Taylor who got the majority of the rushing yards. But uh, we certainly can't predict who's, uh, who's going to be the, the guy who gets those, all those touches at running back. It's been Wilkins. It's been Hines. It's been Taylor. Uh, we'll see what what works well come come Sunday afternoon, right? Yeah, I mean that's kind of the, if you're playing fantasy and you have these guys, I don't know who to tell you to start hmm. because it just kind of you get in there, they give them each a few carries, and then whoever does the best with it seems to be who they lean on for the rest of the game. Um, I and a lot of other Colts fans seem to think for the long term best success of the team, they need to get Taylor going. Because, in my opinion, he's the most talented back of that group. But I think him and Hines as a duo are a great one-two punch. And then Wilkins um, is an excellent third running back whenever he needs to spell somebody or just gets it going in any certain game. I'll say this about Taylor. I saw a stat again. I think it was a pro football-focused stat on Twitter this week that up until this week in the Colts' previous games, he had something like eight forced missed tackles, something like that. And I think he had five forced missed tackles alone against the Packers. So I think, A, the Packers are partially to blame. I don't think their defense was all that impressive to me. But also, B, that's a step forward for Taylor as well, taking advantage, I think, of your opportunities to, to shed a few more blocks and maybe take a step forward as a running back as well, Joe, that maybe you, you see that, hey, this young rookie is getting a little bit better as the season goes on. Yeah, he seemed to me, from my eye on Sunday against the Packers, to be a little bit more decisive. Um, he would just kind of uh, make a move and stick with it and go and get what he could out of it. Um, where in some other games, it kind of seemed like he would not wait for a hole to develop, but kind of limber around and then fall forward for two yards there. It, it kind of looked like he just kind of hit it and would put his hand down and get a few more yards after. What about you guys? Did he look more, a little more quick and decisive out there on Sunday to you? Or was that just the offensive line blocking better? Mike, what do you think? I, I I thought he was more decisive, but I, I always go back to give him his carries. This is a guy that's used to having. I mean, I realize Wisconsin and the pros are different. It is, but this is a, most running backs love to have 15, 20, 25 carries to where you you can take a few plays to kind of get into it. And if the hot hand sometimes here, you don't give that back a chance to have a bad series or whatever. And he's had some bad series that whatever game it was that, that he didn't play hardly in the second half. Uh, so I, I think he's a back that needs 15, 20 carries a game. He had, I think it was 12 carries for 72 yards, 15 for 72 in the second half against green Bay. So he's the kind of guy that you, you need to feed him. And I, I like Naheem Hines. I like what, what the, the different things he can do. I don't want to see Naheem Hines steadily run the ball 15 times a game. Another key to this game uh, goes back to the relationship between the Titans' run game and their passing game, and that's if you limit the run, you can limit their big plays. Um, we touched on this saying, hey, if, if Derrick Henry is doing real damage, they're gonna the Colts are going to have to put another guy in the box, and that's going to free up someone like A.J. Brown or Corey Davis or John U. Smith down the field. So if you allow Henry to run for – three, three, four, three, 20. That's not as good as three, three, four, three, six. You know, you, somebody's got to make that tackle on the six or seven yard quote unquote, big run plays, uh, not, not get juked, not get run over, whatever it might be to turn those, uh, plays where Henry's able to get through the defensive line into getting through the secondary. You know, there's going to be some times where, where he finds some space. That, that happens, and that's happened against Matt Eberflus's defense with him in the past. And I think I, I don't think I'm going very far down a limb or uh, off a limb to, to say that that's going to happen again, that he's going to have some opportunities. So limit what he does in the run game, and that will in turn limit what the Titans, I think, can do in their passing game, which is what we saw the last time out where they had less than 150 yards passing. So. Uh, that that would be key as well, and we'll we'll wrap things up saying just take advantage of your opportunities, which they did well against Tennessee in Week Ten. They had the block punt, got a touchdown uh, with the quick change. Uh, they were able to uh, on the short punt, the shanked punt, they were able to score a touchdown again. 
we just praised him a little bit ago saying, hey, you got four takeaways against the Packers last week. That's awesome. But at the same time, you only had six points off those four takeaways. There were two field goals. So, uh, Mike, I think you would much prefer to score touchdowns, get in the end zone on some of these uh, takeaways and just steal that momentum, keep the defense out on the field longer, tire them out, and it becomes a snowball effect. So get, so get some more points and more touchdowns in particular off those takeaways. Yeah, it, it, again, it always comes down to finishing drives. It's great to see Hot Rod kicking field goals and running up his points and all that. But like you said earlier, uh, extra points are so much better. And I think getting Michael Pittman going now, last three games he's been the guy. And I think we're going to see more and more from him. So uh, be better situationally, third down, fourth down, and score touchdowns because field goals get you beat. Yeah, Joe. How, go ahead. Joe, I was gonna say, how about how about Michael Pittman before we get to uh, before we get to our predictions? He had a couple of really good weeks. I know. I don't. I don't want to say another one of my boys because I sound like the whole team's my boys. But uh, <laughs> Pittman Jr. is someone I've been a big fan of since USC. Uh, loving to see him have success out there. Uh, him showing what he can do. You know, all these for two years in a row now, the Colts have taken a receiver in the second round and. Rookie wide receivers have had a lot of great success from, you know, Metcalf and McLaurin and A.J. Brown last year to this year with Claypool and Jefferson and so many others that it's good to see one of the receivers that the Colts pick actually play well. And I think that's going to be a huge, um, huge impact on this game. He had 100 yards against Tennessee last time. He needs to have another big game. Uh, for the Colts to win, especially if they're going to be without several players on defense, they might have to get a lot more points out of their offense this time. Had a 40-yard completion or catch against the Titans, had a 45-yard touchdown, I think it was, just the other week. So those big plays, uh, they're crucial. And I got to say, Mike, if you're Michael Pittman and you catch that ball last week against the Packers, you look upfield and immediately you see Mo Alley-Cox in front of you and you're both just running with a lot of open space. You got to feel pretty darn good about your chances about getting a big play behind Big Mo, right? Yeah, we were talking with him as well. as He, he was a, a, a running back in high school. I think he said his sophomore, junior season. Just like dad. Just like, and what was it Frank said? When he gets the ball in his hands, he's looking to hurt somebody. And uh, he's had the last two games, he's had the two longest receptions and the longest run. So th this is a guy, again, this is, I keep going back to training camp. I didn't see this in training camp. We, we were more impressed by Desmond Patman than we were Pittman. So to, to see him coming on now, and this is when you want to see everything trending up. November, December. Uh, Chris Ballard told me that the season's Thanksgiving. This is when you start getting things together. So uh, aside aside from the COVID situation, this is pretty impressive about what they're doing. That is not, not a, a ghost taunting. You're being this, summoned uh, by aliens over there, Mike? Okay, I'll turn my mute off here. It's okay. <laughs> We're, we have very little time left to go. So we'll close things out with predictions. FanDuel has the Colts at three-point favorites. Uh, the over-unders at 51.5. So they're predicting about a 50, uh, no, not a 50, rather, a 27-24 ball game right around that range. Uh, I will go first. Mike will go second. Joe will wrap things up with predictions. I do like the way the Colts are playing right now. Having to force Buckner sidelined uh, likely this weekend, if indeed he is, that's that makes me really nervous uh, just because of how important he has been to the overall strength of the defense this year. But uh, after, excuse me, after seeing what the Colts were able to do against the Titans a couple weeks ago, I do like their chances again. I think that it's going to be a, another good one, uh, just like uh, I predicted last week against the Packers. I thought it was going to be a close game. It was a close game. And, um, I, I think it's going to be close again. I think the Colts come out with the win. I think a final score somewhere along the lines of a 31-28 uh, is a good possibility for the Colts. Uh, so that's my prediction. Mike, what do you have to say? Yeah, I picked 31-30 last week on a hunch. Uh, Not too shabby there. Wouldn't be betting on it. But I before you told me what the, what the ref score, I, I wrote down 27-24 Colts. Uh, I, I now whether this is going to be Goskowski missing a field goal to not tie it or, or or hot rod kicking one, I just I think this team is poised to take control of the rest of, of rest of their season, and this is the way you do it by winning a close game. Twenty seven twenty four is what Mike says. Joe, what do you think? 
man, this is tough with all the uncertainty of who's going to be out there for the Colts or not. You know, you talk about players like not just Buckner, but uh, offensive line, Quentin Nelson and Kelly apparently are question marks. Secondary, Blackman and Rocky Seen. I'm going to go with the Colts because we don't know who all will be in or out yet. So assuming those players will play, I'm going to go with the Colts. But I think without a few key pieces on defense, Tennessee will score more. I'm going to go 33-30 to 30 Indianapolis. All right. We all like the Colts. And it will be a Thanksgiving weekend special at Lucas Oil Stadium. Colts and Titans broadcast at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. If you're in central Indiana, it will be on CBS4. You can follow us throughout the week at Colts Blue Zone. Follow the uh, Colts injury news. Of course, we, as we know, there's going to be several updates in that vein from now until kickoff. You can follow me in particular at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at mchapel 51 Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. We thank you for listening and downloading. Please subscribe. Get this delivered to your podcast listening device every week. And we will see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.